Boom. Boom! There it is, ladies and gents. We're ready to rock and roll. I'm still in my classroom because, hey, what can I say? It's Wednesday, and they said we had to stay a little bit longer. So here we are. We're ready to talk about making the most of the second chance. So here we go. Let's take that second chance. Let's start the show. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah. <laughs> it's about that time for James to do his thing. Drop some heat, baby. Yeah, all right, all you business pros out there. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other people, help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz. Schedule your time slot. Don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. All right, everybody, we're so excited and honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Rose Pod. Our guest today is a survivor, competitor, and coach. Having grown up looking like skinny Steve Rogers and afraid of just about everything as a kid, he thought his life was over when a neck injury derailed his plans to follow in his father's footsteps as a wrestler. He turned instead to racquetball. And this is for sure the first time we've had a professional racquetball player on the show. Ranked number 18 in the world, by the way. After a near-death experience at the hands of a drunk driver, our guest's vision became crystal clear. Remembering a promise he made to his grandmother to change the world for the better, our guest began, began his mission to impact a million people and help them achieve their goals. With 20 years experience coaching athletes at all levels and 13 years as the head coach of racquetball at Arizona State University, our guest knows what it takes to succeed and he is inspired to share his knowledge with the world. If you want to improve your mental toughness, personal discipline and responsibility and take charge of your life, tune in to hear from this awesome guest with inspirational stories and actionable takeaways. Joining us today from Triage Now out of Gilbert, Arizona, Welcome to the show, Darren Shang. All right, Darren, all right, all right. Time, my friend. How'd you like that? that James, James is on fire with those things, right? That was awesome. I should have had you introducing me for every racquetball match I ever played. <laughs> <laughs> that would have got your energy up, huh? <laughs> that was great. Thank you. All right, Derek, uh, you know, Derek, I mixed your names. You talk about transposing letters, right? Darren, uh, let's, I, want, I, want, I want you to take me back to, you know, one of those lowest low times and how you ended up getting over it. There's a lot of people who don't go quite through the trial and tribulation that you had to go through and yet still get stuck in that spot, can't find a way out. Share with us, you know, what that experience was like and how you, how you moved past it. Well, the, the easy one that you mentioned in the intro was, you know, the, the wrestling career that came to a screeching halt with, uh, with a neck injury. Um, I, you know, I, as a kid, I was groomed to think that I was going to college on a wrestling scholarship. My dad was a great wrestler in high school and college and beyond, and I just thought that's what I was going to follow in his footsteps. 
And when that injury occurred in my freshman year, wrestling for a position on the varsity team, um, I, I really was lost. I mean, that kind of became my identity. And I, I, it took me a while to kind of get my feet under me and figure out that, oh, okay, well, that door closed, but there's other doors that have opened because of it. And, you know, look, hindsight's always 2020, right? If that injury hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have ended up as a racquetball player. I became a racquetball player because of the fact that my wrestling career had had ended because of that injury. So at the time, that was very hard to swallow. But as things worked out, it you know it was one of those blessings in disguise that I just couldn't recognize that at the time. That's what had really had happened to me. Well, it sounds like uh, you had this thing we call drive, ambition, like passion. Like you wanted to still be an athlete. Maybe you couldn't wrestle, but you were going to find something else to do. Uh, it reminds me of uh, uh, The Rock story, right? Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he always talks about how, you know, his goal was to go to pro football. And yep. when he didn't get there, it was like the best thing that didn't happen to him. Yeah. Right? So, you know, tell me about that drive and ambition. Like you, you're pushing towards something anyways. You were able to shift. You were like, okay, not wrestling. I'm going to do racquetball. Has that drive fueled you to do a lot more things in life? Definitely. And, and I think that, you know, wrestling is one of the toughest sports that there is, especially because, you know, even as a freshman in high school, I was losing weight to get to a lower weight class where I had an opportunity to make the team. So when you add that on top of all of the other disciplines that are involved in that, that is a very difficult sport to be involved in, but it's a very formative sport, especially at an early age, because it instills such discipline and personal responsibility to, you know, watch my diet, work out outside of practice, all of those things in addition to doing the practices along with the other team members. So I took those skill sets that I learned in that sport and from my dad and parlayed them into basically everything else I've ever done. You're talking about routines, right? Something that you, that you're just part of your, your day is something that grounds you. My routine in the morning, you know, 240 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, six mile run. Like that's my routine. And while I'm in that moment, while I'm running, I'm thinking about what my day is going to be like. I'm thinking about what things I need to accomplish for the day. I'm setting like a standard or the goals that I need to attain for that day. There's a lot of clarity that happens when you have some of these routines that are grounded. Uh, is that what you're, you know, if I'm hearing you correctly, those are the things that you're talking about. Those, those same things that keep you going that may not actively, they may not be business related, but they're mentally related to help you get into that mindset, right? Definitely. I, I'm a big advocate of a to-do list and I do mine the night before. Unlike you, I don't particularly like to work out in the morning. Uh, I find that I do my best creative work in the mornings. So I will go to a coffee shop nearby my house, put on my headphones and sit and write for an hour. That's the best way for me to start my day. But I have previously the night before wrote a list of my of the things I need to do some of them work things some of them personal and as soon as my creative session is done I'm grabbing the to-do list and I'm getting to work for me that has been a really good productivity trick are you uh help me elaborate on what you do exactly now today so that was the past all right you know pro racquetball player we we had to go through some troubles you had uh, a near-death experience right? You know, speaking of some troubles, uh, and how did that bring you to where you are today? So I've been with triage now, uh, since day one, which was about nine years ago, we are a telephonic nurse triage service. 
which for those of you out there that employ anybody, you have to have workers' comp coverage. If you have injuries, you outsource the liability of making medical recommendations to our company. And we also do all the documentation that facilitates the insurance carrier, the clinic, everybody that's involved being uh, up to speed day one, hour one of that injury occurring. So I sell that service nationwide to companies large and small. My experience with the drunk driver incident uh, was kind of a catalyst to get me front and center doing something that I've always been interested in, but never actually pursued. In my day job at Triage Now, I do a lot of presentations. Once in a great while, I get the opportunity to be an, a panel expert or a speaker at a conference, for example, but I've never pursued the true definition public speaker role that I've always been interested in until after that crash. I felt like I dodged a bullet. I was granted some more time here on earth, whether that was the hand of God or the universe or however you look at those things. Um, and so to honor that, I have pursued something that gives me a, an audience to share some of the things I've learned over the course of my life and hopefully shorten the learning curve for others. Talk to me about that that clarity right there. You know, when, when you're when you're just what you're describing is that moment of of where I now I have a vision of what I want to do in life, right? You know, you wanted to help people, you knew it was something like that, but until you experience this type of near-death experience, that gave fuel to your story, that gave fuel to your passion. You know, how has that changed the way you present to the to your clients and, and potential prospects? Well, it's, I always refer to the company as my company, but my name's not on the door, right? I, like I said, I've been there since day one and I've always had that level of involvement and dedication to what I do. But when, when that crash occurred, I have so much more gratitude to the life that I have and the opportunities that I've been afforded. And I think when I share what my company does and how it helps people, and not only the employees, but also the employer, I have the luxury of selling a service that is truly a win-win for everybody. And I think my, again, my gratitude and my, you know, thankfulness to still be here kind of shines through sometimes where I just anecdotally, some of my people who were prospects that are now clients share with me that, you know, you just seem like you love what you do. You're really passionate about it. And I just felt like you were the person that I wanted to partner with instead of your competition. So I think those things kind of mesh together nicely. You know, there's so many people in sales positions that uh, they have a hesitation with learning a script and, you know, talking to clients or potential prospects because I don't know what to say. I don't really, yeah. you know, and, and I think a lot of it stems from I don't really believe in what my product is and I don't really yeah. believe in what it's doing for other people. I know it's good and I know it helps people, but I just don't have that passion behind it. I think prospects and, and, and you know, potential clients feel that they understand yep. that what you're describing is a whole different type of engagement. When, when, if you, if you can go, you know, before the accident to after the accident, how would you say that you feel you connect with your words and you kind of mentioned how your clients are connecting with you? How are they connecting with your company afterwards as well? So I, I think the big catalyst for me was when I started pursuing public speaking on my own, it made me a better presenter in my day job. And so now when I get to be a panel expert or speak at a conference for my, my uh, role at Triage Now, 
I can convey that message a lot better because I've had so much more practice on the other side of the coin, which would be me as a public speaker outside of my day job. And so that's how I've really kind of brought that skill into my work life and convey my, like you said, my engagement and my knowledge of what we do and how it benefits everyone a lot better than I used to before. Have you always been like confident in public speaking? Is it something that you've always like kind of wanted to do? Or is it something that you really had to push yourself to get out of your comfort zone and go out and do? <laughs> I'm a weird combo of, uh, I love being in the spotlight, but I have a little social anxiety as well. <laughs> so those things, right here, same. They're, yeah. they're very, you know, uh, they should be opposites, right? But, um, you know, when I take a personality test, I have scored in the 99th percentile on extrovertness, right? So if there's 100 people in the room, there's only one guy that's happier about being on stage than I am. <laughs> wow. But um, the other side of that is that that's with things that I'm passionate about or knowledgeable about. If somebody handed me a script to go read in front of a camera in an audience, that would be very nerve wracking for me because if it's not something I'm familiar with, that's where that anxi social anxiety kind of kicks in. So uh, I love doing things like this, but we're talking about things that I'm very familiar with. So it's easy for me. If you handed me a script ahead of time and said, here, I need you to read these three paragraphs as the intro uh, to the to the podcast, I would have been very nervous about that for sure. <laughs> Did you, um, when it comes to getting on stage, even when you were comfortable, uh, you know, repetition is that thing that helps you get to a level of perfection or a level that you're really connecting with your audience, even though you were passionate before, uh, how much practice and how much did you have to force yourself to get on and do it again and improve and do it again before you realize that, Hey, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm really comfortable. <laughs> well, um, you know, like I said, since I've had the opportunity to do some stuff in my day job in, in the triage space, um, that was a, that was comfortable for me, um, because it was, I, I'm a quote unquote expert in that field, right? Um, going to tell, going to a business class at ASU in, in the business school and speaking in front of 300 kids for the first time, uh, and then doing three classes in a row back to back to back, that was pretty nerve wracking. And I would say the first class didn't get the best of me. I was, I was nervous. It probably showed, uh, I was not allowed to record that. So I didn't get to go back and, you know, do a postmortem analysis of it, but I know by the third class, I was way more comfortable. I was walking around more. I just probably appeared more relaxed. So it happened quick. The evolution of that happened quickly. But, um, you know, the, again, I'm telling a story that I'm quite familiar with, whether it's my life story about racquetball and, and the car crash or my experience in sales and how I uh, approach, you know, pr prospecting and, and, and uh, enrolling clients and what we do, things like that. So, it, it, I think I have the luxury of uh, a, a quick or a short learning curve with those kind of things. Being an athlete, I'm used to being in the spotlight, yet racquetball is not the same as tennis where I'm in front of 10,000 people. But, you know, to some degree in the, when I hit the big time in my sport of being at the biggest tournaments in front of the largest crowds that we had, it was proportional. And so having that experience, as well as the pressure 
to win matches, to pay rent, or to, in some cases, put gas in the car to drive back home. When you have that kind of uh, experiences in your background, getting up on stage and talking with no one else having the script where they're grading you on how well you repeated what you had written out ahead of time becomes a lot easier. Oh, it gets a lot funner, right? I mean, having your back against a wall is, is tough, but it's also one of those great motivating factors, right? It's one of those things that pushes you to that next level because you know that when your back's against the wall, you have nowhere to go but forward. You're, you don't, you're stuck. This is where you're going to go. You're either going to succeed in this thing or you're not. Uh, and, and which is, which is awesome. The way that you, that you continue to, you know, pay your rent and put gas in the car to keep going. Uh, I do want to ask you, uh, are you still there? Darren, did I lose you? I might've lost him, him. He is frozen. He is frozen. Dude. Freeze. Frozen. All right. Well, we'll see when he comes back right now. Maybe he's a uh, lost connection. He'll come, he'll hop back on. Dude. Uh, and it's funny that we're talking about his public speaking because, uh, I was just, we were just talking about this yesterday about the, the fail as fast as you freaking can, right? Like right, get right. out there and fail as much as you can. And, and to put yourself in that spot where your back's against the wall and you don't have anywhere to go but forward, like, like hearing him say like, dude, I just, I just kept going with it. I was nervous the first time it sucked. Uh, mm -hmm. But like, I kept going, I kept going. That's the, that's the key to, to almost all the success that we hear from these guys. Yeah. Hey, real, real quick, is there anything that you're thinking about that you would like to ask him since you're in, you know, in the insurance space and he does triage now? Anything kind of spark, you know, tickle your ear that you might think I, I should ask him when he comes back? Not really. I mean, he mentioned uh, that he's doing workers comp and, you know, everybody has to have it if you have any employees. I don't know if this was an insurance podcast. Um, I pff, might be asking him which companies they might work with or uh so, you i don't know, know whatever one question it's just insurance question. stuff who cares about insurance stuff i know but i i want to know you never know people people who are employed they want to know what's required what's not required you know i got a business i got employees what am i going to do like what is this what is triage now which was going to be the next section i'm going to go and gotcha. you know who's required to have it like what what is it a requirement is it part of something that you can add as a like a writer or something like what what well, is well i don't i don't know what triage now is but workers comp is a specific type of insurance policy that as a business owner you have to have if you're going to hire any employees across the country legally you are required to have it uh in california if you don't have it it's like a ten thousand dollar per employee fine. Mm, you know, California, we love them. We they're do, always, we uh, do. they're always uh, taking our money in one way or another. Darren seems like he's kind of coming back. There he is. Definitely, maybe. There you are, Sorry. Darren. There Sorry about that. My, my internet just works. blinked off. That happens. It happens. So I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're getting low on time here. I want to ask you about triage now and, sure. and um, you know, a little bit about, you know, it, you know, you mentioned it had to do with workers' comp, and, and and is it something that's supplemental to something like workers' comp, or is it something that we can add as an extra benefit? Tell me a little bit about what you guys offer. So what we do is the precursor to the entire work comp process. So when an injury happens at work, the injured employee calls up, goes to the supervisor, reports the injury, calls us, and speaks to a registered nurse. We determine what should be the next step in the care process. So is it first aid on site? Is it self-care or is it a trip to the clinic? Then we do all the documentation that's part of that process and bring everybody else on the work cop side 
into the fold within moments of the end of that telephone call. So it expedites everyone being informed of what happened. It gives the injured employee access to a medical professional to determine what they should do for that injury. And in the grand scheme of things, we reduce the number of injuries that become claims by about 40%, regardless mm. of the client's type of work that they do. So if you can figure somebody has 100 injuries a year, if 40 of them didn't need to go to the clinic, you can see how much financial impact for the company that that would have. Oh, absolutely. That's a huge premium just, yeah. adjustment there. And I all of a sudden right. you don't have those losses. So uh, when you're talking about uh, that middle person, so let's say I have an employee, they get injured on the job. Do I have to have any relationship with triage now at all as an employer or as an employee to pick up the phone and, and use your services? Yeah, we want everything done in advance so that we can automate as much of the process as possible and focus on the high touch part of what we do, which is our nurse speaking to that injured employee. We want to automate the documentation process, who gets what at the end of that phone call, things like that. So we work directly with the employers in advance, pick a go live date. And from that point forward, they have access to our service. So as a, as a business and you know, what, what most people don't understand is that workers comp is one of those mandatory policies that we have to have. James and I were discussing that while you were, uh, you know, restoring your internet. Yeah. Here. If you're in business, you have to have workers comp. Um, is it something specific that we have to go through? Like, do we go just to, to you directly to get those policies written or is that something separate where we're not writing directly through you? You're the third party service that we add on top of our workers' comp policy. Yeah, we're a third party service. We work with insurance carriers, uh, sometimes as in a referral partner basis, or we work with the employer and then we bring their insurance carrier into the process as well. So we are typically a direct link to the employer. And again, we wedge into the very front of the process uh, at the front of the line ahead of the insurance company and the clinics and everybody else that's involved in the injury care process. That's a huge win for, for employers. Um, you know, and, and it makes me wonder, I didn't know that a service like this uh, existed. <laughs> I didn't know if it was, you yeah. know, it, it's something where, you know, you get a workers comp policy. Oftentimes you end up getting a workers comp policy and it's not because you plan on having injured workers. You do it because if you don't, you're going to get a fine. So we don't think about, you know, that additional process to minimize, uh, you know, the loss. Will having a service like yours maybe mitigate the premium cost of having a workers' comp? It certainly can because, again, back to my analogy of 100 injuries a year, if we took 40 of those away, that is a huge plus for the employer. It's less expense for the insurance carrier. So that is where, it's the win. again, it's the win on both sides, right? The insurance carrier is paying out less money for unnecessary claims. The employer is having less injuries become claims. It helps protect their XMOD score, which also factors into their overall uh, work comp policy costs. So anytime we can keep an injury out of the clinic when it isn't medically necessary, we don't, we don't uh, not provide care to somebody just to save money. But when the nurse determines that that injury doesn't need clinical level care, that's when the uh, self-care uh, disposition becomes the the outcome of that phone call and the benefits to the employer, to the insurance carrier, everybody falls in line behind that. 
What happens when there's a uh, potential for litigation? Because I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, I know a lot of employees who get hurt on the job and they say nothing. They don't pick up the phone. They don't call anybody. They just right. kind of try to push through it and then it gets worse. And then that process starts. Uh, how does that affect the process? So in, in it varies state by state. Some states you can basically require that somebody utilize our service as an employee of, of theirs. In some states, it is much more up to the employee how they would like to proceed. But we do record all of the phone calls. So if somebody does call us and they say they you know, hurt their shoulder and the nurse starts digging into the process and it turns out that that shoulder injury was Thursday night softball league, not working at their job on Friday, then we have a recorded statement by the injured employee and we're going to document that information. Now the company and the insurance carrier have some real ground to stand on in denying an injury that did not originate in the workplace as a claim. Mm. Evidence is the key. I mean, I don't know how many Judge Judy's I've watched where they walk into the courtroom <laughs> and they have zero evidence of whatever it is that they're claiming. And you're helping uh, both, you know, protect not only the employee, but also the, the employer themselves, right? The documentation process yep. is absolutely vital. And I know from personal experience, being not the most organized person in the world, that, you know, having that kind of documentation, having that kind of recording for my employees is not always, I'm not always as good at doing that. Um, when you work with clients, when you work with the employers that, that bring you on board, how often are you looking at their process and thinking, oh, well, I can clearly see there is no process. Let me help you right. get set up. Um, yeah, that's a great that's a great point. What we see a lot of is overreach in their process, which is a manager asking injury questions and trying to decide what to do. So that person's not a medical professional. You certainly don't want to ask any questions that would be HIPAA protected information. But obviously, if I'm diabetic or if I take blood thinners, those types of things are very relevant in dealing with the injury effectively. So companies are handcuffed. In, they're in a weird spot of, if I don't ask the questions, I don't know if we're doing the right things, but legally I can't ask those questions. So that's where a service like ours comes in and we bridge that gap and offload the liability from the employer to our medical professionals. And that's a win for the employee as well as the employer. Mm. All right, Darren, uh, what's in store for your, for your future with this company? What's in store for the future of triage now? Where do you see it going? World domination. Yes. <laughs> so we didn't invent this process. Um, it's been around for about 20 years. And like you said, I, I talk to people all the time from major companies as well as you know small mom and pop companies that have said, I've never heard this. I didn't know that this was available. So it's not a saturated market. There's a fairly big barrier to entry because setting up a call center and all the software and things it takes to do what we do is an expensive proposition for sure. So I think that we're going to continue to grow exponentially like we have and continue to have larger and larger companies continue to come on board with us. Um, knock on wood, we have had a very successful track record of taking business from the few competitors that we have and rarely losing our current clients to any of our competitors. So if the trend continues the way things have been going, world domination may not be too much of a stretch. Well, speaking of the world, how has COVID affected workers' comp uh, and, and what you guys are doing today? Yeah, heavily. Um, March and April of 2020, 
we we had almost a 50% reduction in the in the uh, influx of calls to the call center. Everybody shut down, right? Nobody knew what to do. Um, the restaurants, hospitality, trucking, manufacturing, everybody just shut down as an out of an abundance of caution. Then we started to designate things as essential workers. So manufacturing, uh, like for example, the food industry, we, we work with some large companies in the food industry or peripheral to that industry. So they came back online quickly. And for some of them, it was very beneficial for us to do the documentation when it came to having somebody who was an employee of theirs who tested positive for COVID or even had symptoms of COVID. They would have them call us, we'd do the documentation, we would get them to a clinic in their vicinity. And if the clinic determined, yes, you have a positive test, that person would obviously be quarantined for 10 days or more. So initially we saw a, a drop off, but we actually were able to help a lot of our clients. And that resulted in an uptick in business for us by the end of last year. That's awesome. I mean, you know, we don't know what the world has to offer or in store here in the near future. Yeah. Uh, the good thing is that more and more people are aware of your types of processes and what's going on and, and how to deal with those things. Kind of reminds me of like, a, you know, the, the mortgage crash in 2008. Nobody knew how to really deal with foreclosures, especially when they came in the millions. Right. Uh, if that were to happen today, there are processes now in place to kind of help smooth move things along and and you know it sounds like like what you're doing is exactly that we have a process in place so it doesn't matter if it's covid delta variant whatever else comes in the near future uh you you have a process in place to help employers get through this sort of uh pandemic right we do and and there's extensions of our service as well like telemedicine where if you have somebody that's in a remote area or somebody that is sick and they don't want to interact with others we can pair what we do with a telemedicine solution and further enhance what we offer to our client base as well. Perfect. Well, Darren, hey, man, thank you very much for coming on the show. I mean, very informative stuff. Just, I mean, your story alone is power, super powerful. <laughs> and then what you guys are thank offering is, is something, again, that a lot of companies, especially when they start hiring people, need to know that this is something that, you know, you have to have workers comp. It's something that most states, if not all states, require as a mandate. So you got to get it done. Might as well find a way to get it done correctly and then mitigate some of those losses. Because those, I'm telling you, those workers comp premiums go up and up and up if you have claim after claim after claim. So you want to make sure that you're doing something correct. So uh, before we head out, how can people get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Yeah, please check out our website, triagenow.net, or reach out to me directly through LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty available. I'm, I'm, I'm the VP of sales for the company. So I'm typically the one that any inquiries funnel to, uh, love to do a quick analysis of what each employer needs. I'm, I'm not big on blanket solutions, so it will be somewhat of a, a, you know, a customized approach and figure out that a, we are the solution that you need and B getting the company set up so that they have access to our service. So looking forward to talking to anybody that would benefit from our assistance. Perfect. Now I'm going to ask you uh, a question. Uh, you know, we're big on creating testimonials for people. We feel like a, a video testimonial when, when someone is already doing a good job for clients is one of the best ways to get more repeat referral business. Sure. So we're going to ask you for a testimonial on the show. What was your experience like on the business bros? Uh, you guys are a lot of fun. I mean, that, that, that's a big thing right there. I've, I've done a I'm starting to, you know, rack up a fair amount of podcasts that I've done and, and you guys are organized, professional, and, but still make this fun, right? It's not meant to be, you know, just stodgy scripted out kind of an approach. And so I, I love the, the 
taken the spin that you guys put on it because I delivered my message, but it did not feel like it was anything more than just us sitting together, drinking a beer and, and talking about this, even though we're all three of us are in separate places. So ni nice work. You guys do a great job. Oh man, I wish I had a beer, but I'm at school. I can't actually do that. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll get kind of upset. Awesome. Well, hey man, thank you very much, Darren, for coming on the show. Ladies and gents, that's it. This is the framework that we use to get video testimonials for you and your customers every single day. Because let's face it, you're all entrepreneurs. You're out there doing great things for your clients. And when you do, they talk about you. The problem is they only talk about you for about five minutes and then it's over. So we want to make sure that we capture those video testimonials and put them to work for you. Get them on your Facebook and start marketing on social media, start doing paid ads, start using them as email campaigns for that prospect that's on the fence so that they hear from not just you how well a job, but how well your customers are feeling with the experience that you're providing for them. So make sure you guys check out businessbros.biz slash testimonials. Get those done so you can start earning more repeat and referral business and turn your customers into the sales force that is already there supporting you. All right, ladies and gents, Darren, thank you very much for coming on the show. Ladies and gents, make sure if you're an employee, if you have employees, you need to check out what, Dar what Darren's offering here. Triagenow.com. Go get at least a consultation. Get somebody to look at your stuff. You don't know how much money you're throwing away if you're not taking advantage of people like this on the show, telling you that there's a whole other way to do it. Take pressure off your plate. So Darren, yeah. thank you very much. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you again. Manana, tomorrow is my favorite day of the week. SHIT, so happy it's Thursday. We'll see you then. Peace, and we're out. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.